0: Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and I'm joined by Chris Cartman and Jack Harris. We are driving to an In-N-Out Burger in Tucson after just getting out of the press box at Arizona Stadium after Arizona completed a 19-point comeback in the 92nd installment of the Territorial Cup. Jack, Chris, what do you guys want
1: to start off with? That that game was bonkers. Um, so, like... I, I'm having to write... Hey, Jack,
2: that was my tweet, by the way. Did you use the word bonkers? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what it was. Like, I'm having to write the instant game recap. Um, so, like, there's there's five or six minutes left. ASU cuts it to an eight-point game. Rewrite. Yeah, I had a lot of my copy done about how ASU was going to get blown out. Uh, and, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And then Khalil Tate throws that interception to Ashari Crosswell and immediately... I just start writing a whole new story right from there, which was actually played out nicely because as I'm writing, Arizona's making more and more mistakes that just go into the flow of the story at the end of the game. Uh, But yeah, like for all of the different things that had to go right for ASU to be able to pull something off like that in a game as important as the Territorial Cup, after the emotions of last week that they faced in Oregon, uh, it was a pretty remarkable game to watch. Uh, and to be there and just to see it all collapse for the Wildcats. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the crazier games you're going to see in college football.
2: That was a historic failure by Arizona. Um, ASU put out some stuff from Stats, Inc. that it got. It was the the largest fourth quarter uh, recovery for a win that any team's had in the Pac-12 since at least 1996. That didn't require an overtime. Okay. One of the things I wrote in my column that people can go read and check out is it seemed like from the, from earlier on in the fourth quarter, Arizona had one eye watching the scoreboard and only one eye on the football, and that's why maybe it, it, it started to turn the ball over and, and struggle. Um, Danny Gonzalez was imploring his team to just stay in it uh, we know that, that the MO of ASU is to, to come back from adversity, to handle some difficult situations, not just within games, but, but throughout the whole season. You know, the back-to-back losses to San Diego State and Washington. People thought, okay, this thing might go off the rails. Maybe ASU's going to win three or four games, right? Then we see ASU lose back-to-back games, Colorado and Stanford. And I think most people thought, oh, hey, ASU is not going to go to a bowl game this year, and it's not going to happen And then ASU comes back and wins three straight games and then everyone's like oh, maybe ASU is going to win the south And then that doesn't happen team loses to Oregon and It looked like It was going to go off the rails here But but that's not what this ASU team is this ASU team is resilient. You can't Stomp them out. They're like a cockroach. You cannot kill them (laughs) okay and the reality you okay rob yeah. and the reality is that that is their identity that's what you need to remember this team by and that's something that uh that bodes well for this program moving forward mm-hmm. and, and i just i just want to mention some of the remarkable performances tonight
0: i mean it seemed like Nikhil harry was somewhat bottled up uh there was a lot of double teams from Arizona on him. And Brandon Ayuk shined in his first Territorial Cup. 106 yards, the 58-yard touchdown to begin ASU scoring. And, and the fight of Eno Benjamin, ASU sophomore running back who who rushed 21 times for, for 81 yards. Three touchdowns, including the 22-yard, uh, what proved to be the 22-yard game-winning touchdown with about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter just some of those performances that you know maybe didn't seem like they were that likely chris mentioned it in the postgame show stephen miller he played left guard today and he he had to be relied on in a situation he hasn't been in this entire year and he he did a pretty good job in the second half and asu in, in all they really found a way to fight and to somehow get this win and i think it's just remarkable how There were so many obstacles in this game. You know, Jalen Harvey's out. Evan Fields isn't playing well. Merlin Robertson's not making the impact that we saw him make in the second half of Oregon last week. There were just so many factors that you thought were working against ASU, and somehow ASU was willing to author a new script in the fourth quarter. I mean, 20 points unanswered. I I was shocked at what I saw. I think –
1: so you mentioned Eno Benjamin's third touchdown run right after – uh, Arizona fumbled on the handoff exchange. I really thought that was big because in that moment it felt a lot like last week at Oregon where ASU gets the interception, they're down by two points, and, and they're going to need to be able to drive to get into scoring range. In this case, they, they were they were down by, was it five points? So they were going to have to drive to get a touchdown. Yep. Um, and the fact that, that the first play after that, Benjamin's able to take a handoff and, and just weave his way through Arizona tacklers after he had really been bottled up all night. He only had 80 rushing yards on the, on the entire game. Um, but the fact that he was able to score there, they didn't really have to deal with the pressure of facing a second down, facing a third down with the game on the line. That was huge because you saw Arizona, on when they had to then try to go down the field and score, they were faced with some, some tough decisions, especially the last one when they were facing a third and ten. And do you want to go for a first down? Do you want to play for a couple extra yards on the field goal? They did the latter, and the kick is missed. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was huge. And, and just the way the offense in, in, in the second half of that game, they would get in, in the red zone. They were 5 of 5 on scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Um, those were just all huge factors. I was just about to talk about that. That, that was the difference. Yeah, the reds Arizona had to settle for field goals on their first three tri- trips inside the twenty.
2: Yeah, so Arizona's just piling up yardage. What was it, 442 yards through three quarters, averaging 7.9 yards per play, and just almost seemingly moving the ball at will, uh, with 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 balance. You know, a lot of it was the the run game with JJ Taylor, and then uh, Khalil Tate was a lot of the play extension type stuff, and. Some of these big plays that we talked about that that, that Arizona does right, um, but ASU converting on its opportunities with touchdowns, uh-huh.
1: which is something they had struggled with at times this year. We've written about it, and like when they're when they've when they've lost close games, it's because they aren't scoring in the red zone and they're and they're struggling to turn trips inside the 50 into points.
2: Yeah, so man, I mean, I, this isn't even like to me one of these games where you talk about all these micro uh individual performances because there was just yeah. so many big picture things yeah. right. in this game that uh, you could probably spend half the night just talking about some of the themes and you know the the, the, the skirmish and the, what Manny Wilkins <laughs> had to say and when Herm Edwards against uh, um, Kevin Sumlin and what happened with Arizona's coaching staff and all these other things it was just crazy
1: yeah and I think Arizona was was outplaying ASU so bad in, in the first half, and the first three quarters, but because Arizona didn't take advantage of those chances, they couldn't really pull away. Like, it was a 19-point game, and then ASU gets the field goal. But it, it, even though it's even though it feels like Arizona should be up by three or four scores in the fourth quarter, because they're only up by 16, the minute one mistake happens and Khalil Tate throws an interception, it throws the whole game out of whack. It allows ASU to get right back in it. Herm Edwards talked about the ebbs and flows of a football game in his post-game press conference tonight and how you have to wait for your opportunity to jump back in, and that's what ASU did tonight. Um, there's been times this year they don't execute at the end. Stanford game's a good example. Um, but I think the fact that this is how they finished their regular season, playing like this, coming back, Chris wrote about it in his column said it a minute ago, it really does kind of embody everything Herm Edwards has tried to instill this year. Um, and, and a lot of the good steps they've taken, even though it's another 7-win season and they're not right. playing in the Pac-12 title game next year and all that, I think there's still ways you can look at this, especially because of tonight's result, as a successful year, which you might not have been able to if they don't overcome all of that in the fourth quarter.
0: And, and some of the ebb and flow that you're talking about, Jack, I mean, Kyle Williams with a- – such an important fumble recovery yeah. on Eno Benjamin's fumble that it looked like Wilkins was potentially going to be able to pick up. Then it looked like it was going to be Arizona ball yeah, they within their red up. zone. The Wildcats, yeah. Um, I thought that was a very important play, and Chris and I have talked on post-game shows recently about how important he's been this year in, the, in these roles that we're sure he's probably not as fond of is when he's catching the ball five times a game, six times a game. But even in a game like today where I think he had about 48 yards, he has one of the most important plays of the game that people are going to forget because it wasn't a scoring play and it didn't, I don't think it led to a score from ASU, but it, it prevented Arizona from potentially seven points that mm-hmm. would have just added on to the massive lead they had in the second quarter that was one of the plays that worked for asu something that was working against asu was manny wilkins could not connect with frank darby on the deep balls i think there was three balls where darby was pretty open and they just couldn't connect i believe one hit darby uh in the hands but it wasn't it it wasn't a play you expect a, a receiver to make i don't think but there were, there were there were things that were working for asu but i'd say a lot more against asu and and you know, obviously, That's what JJ Taylor—they w- were down 19. Yeah, yeah, they were down 19. What JJ Taylor was doing, he was crushing them. I think he averaged 5.1 yards per See. carry tonight, and he—I I just can't believe they got away from running
2: the ball with him. Well, it was the the, the types of runs. Mm-hmm. I think it was the types of runs because they still were giving him the ball in the fourth quarter, but ASU knew it was coming. It was more predictable runs as opposed to the. You know, the outside stretch runs yeah. and some of the misdirections yeah, and play actions. You can mentally prepare for that kind of stuff. You know, like I thought in the first half especially and maybe even into the third quarter, Arizona outcoached ASU. Um, and it wasn't, you know, they were they were domin- dominating at the point of attack. ASU was getting stuck on blocks. But it wasn't just gashing with the run game. It was a lot of these sort of misdirection, play actions, asu defenders flowing to the wrong places and the ball was going somewhere else the only one of those that was from asu that i saw in the first half was that one third down i believe it was where they went to the trips uh bunch said and then kyle williams came Uh across on the shallow cross and asu hit him on that but asu struggled I understand Arizona was was dedicating a lot of resources to Nikhil Harry, but it wasn't like ASU was creatively trying to figure out how to get the ball to him or even to other guys. Um, even
1: the Brandon Ayuk one, you had to have a an Arizona DB slip and fall on that play.
2: Yeah, I mean he he opened up the wrong way because he thought it was going to be a fade, which he was kind of selling, which was a good route good route by Brandon Ayuk. But it, but you know, the ASU coaches they always talk about winning one on ones. But it's not just, like we always say, it's not just winning one-on-ones, it's, it's what, what has been created by the coaching staff in terms of what that one-on-one looks like or how you scheme to get guys open. Uh, And and look, Khalil Tate's also, he's a very talented guy. He had some overthrows in this game that that proved to be costly. Uh, Manny Wilkins also had a couple overthrows Uh in this game, though, which kind of balanced that out. But it's a lot of the post-route stuff where Tate's like, you know, rolling by design, moving the pocket, and then guys are just kind of like waiting until they can slip it. Chase Lucas got in trouble, remember, in this game and, and came out of came out for a few series. Arizona went right at Dominique Harrison, his replacement, and had some success immediately. And then it sort of, you know, uh, buckled down a little bit. Harrison also had one ball that could have been intercepted that landed in his lap, and he, for whatever reason, didn't grab onto it. And it ended up being incomplete. This game, I mean, we could, we could, if we went through the whole thing, we would come up with (laughs) dozens of plays that were just that were just crazy. Arizona's two
1: point conversions.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Arizona. Just think about it. If Arizona doesn't even do that, let's just say Arizona kicks two PATs. We're playing overtime. No, they they.
1: Well, ASU goes loses. for two. Well, because ASU went for two at the end and didn't get it. So they're okay. So they're probably yeah, you're right. So yeah. they probably kick a. Piece. Right. So then we're going yeah, overtime. We're going, probably.
2: Yeah. Or Herm's going for two at the end. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I don't think Herm would be doing that. He's Herm is Herm is a three and D guy. You know, whatever D and D travels. But I mean, look. The main thing was that I want to say. Three and D guy. Uh yeah well he's a D. good crossboard reference yeah whatever so. <laughs> Her, you got the sense going into this game that Herm didn't really understand the whole territorial cup thing and the rivalry because he's like, oh, I've been a part of rivalries my whole career and you know, da da da, and people they a lot of fans they they read his what he said and they watch him and they're like, you don't get it, dude. You can't come away from this game not getting it, <laughs> right? Like I I tweeted I tweeted I'm like. One thing's for sure, man, the ASU coaches who haven't been a part of something like this, they're going to be like, okay, we get it now.
1: From even before the start of the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you had police lining the field at the 50-yard line to try to keep the team separated after what happened before the game. And and, and so we're talking about a pretty insane way to start this whole Kevin Sumlin-Herm Edwards thing, right, Rob? I mean, definitely, and I want to ask what
0: both of you think about what Wilkins had to say after the game. I mean, Chris mentioned it on the post-game show, and, and this is obviously Wilkins' final time playing in this Territorial Cup, as a player at least, but I mean, the comments he made after the game calling Arizona a, a, a losing program, you know, some things like that, saying that the a Deeps, losing team with a losing attitude. A losing team with a losing attitude, and saying that a coach got in his face before the game, and... You know, just saying how inappropriate that was. I'm curious what you guys think about some of that stuff that transpired before the game. And then it was such an emotional game during the game. You know, Stephen Miller got called for the unsportsmanlike penalty. I think that was Nikhil Harry's first unsportsmanlike penalty of his ASU career. Just a lot of stuff was going on. What did you guys make of the emotions in this? Yeah, I mean,
1: Rob, that was uh, like when when you get to the stadium and you see the police lining the 50-yard line to separate the teams, um, during warmups, uh, I mean, you see these things like happen sometimes. It happened in the the egg bowl the other night. Um, but I think like Manny Wilkins's comments after the game, because that's what's kind of gotten a lot of attention. You know, Wilkins is a guy; he's pretty. He can be pretty emotional after games, anyway. And I think, I think the way he perceived it was, you know, we're just trying to warm up. Arizona's saying stuff. I don't know if it's that cut and dry, um, but it, I, I think it. It says kind of a lot about where, like, Manny Wilkins is and where ASU is and kind of how they look at themselves compared to Arizona, which is like that's a team that hasn't played as hard as us this year, that hasn't earned the respect that that, that we should probably have. Um, and I, think, I thought you saw that kind of carry over into the game. J.B. Brown, the Arizona defensive end was getting into it with guys. Um, and, I, and I don't know, outside of, like, Chase Lucas, if there was a, a lot of – Trash-talking coming from Arizona's players. Um, But, I mean, you know, it's a rivalry game. It's to be expected. Uh, But, yeah, it it was an interesting dynamic.
2: I think it it takes two to tango in those situations. People were saying that Khalil Tate was unhappy, that some of the balls of ASU were resting on the the Arizona side of the 50-yard line, and then he threw some balls, and that led to some words being exchanged. And then some of the adult staff, whether that's strength staff or actual coaches, were um, they were escalating the situation as opposed to trying to de-escalate it. And I think Manny Wilkins took offense to that, you know, what he perceived to have happened in that in that uh, situation. Um, but when you when you fast forward to after the game, he knows he's done playing Arizona. Right. So at that point in time, and, and he really even before he gave his postgame comments, he was taking photos with people and posing and, you know, probably signing autographs and giving high fives to everybody who was along the fence line, ring ringing the the level, the lower level of the of the stadium. And then the comments that he made after the game uh, which were disparaging, you know. There's no other way to put it. They were just disparaging about Arizona's program. Yeah, and how they coach their players, how they, they
1: tell them to talk crap on the field.
2: Yeah, everything. And uh, I, I think just the, you know, the way I saw that and what I, the way I sort of framed it in my column is, he wants ASU fans to remember that and to remember that that's how this game unfolded. You know, that they choked. And blew this huge lead after talking all that smack before the game and getting into it with the thing. He wanted that to be something that 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 is vividly remembered forever about this, and that for 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 ASU fans to remember his part in that and how he won back-to-back games as a starting quarterback because his legacy. We talked about this on the last Unfiltered podcast. His legacy is never going to be. He took us to a Pac-12 championship game. He took us to a, a January bowl game. So this is the best. This is the best he can hang his head on, right? Let's say ASU goes to a Vegas bowl or some bowl or whatever. ASU fans aren't going to get all like enamored with a win in that game. This was his thing, and that's why he was so emotional. He's been emotional throughout the whole season, crying before and after senior night, the Stanford game, this game. It's because he cares so much and he's so invested in how he's going to be perceived. And he knows that based upon just this game and being 7-5 and five as opposed to 6-6 six and six and winning the Territorial Cup for the second time in a row and the way that it all happened, that that helps his legacy in a, in a, in a real and material way. And I and that that's really important and it and, and in then the broader context of how that sets in motion this whole thing between Herm Edwards and Kevin Sumlin.
0: All right, I want to give a quick shout-out to in and out and um, the best fast food, quality, consistency. Wow. Um, <laughs> I see that you've really taken Chris's <laughs> soliloquy there and let it sink no, in. No, I here. mean,
1: it was a really Literally good soliloquy. A whole train just passed in front of us here on the road.
0: Did you get the bone marrow double-double? <laughs> or did you just get, like, a regular kind of double-double? No, nah, I, I, I got the Rob special, which, in case any of our, our members would like to know what that is, that is... Um, one in and out, or one one uh, plain double double just meat cheese bun then the next it. one you get is meat cheese bun with the addition of pickles then you get a fries then you get a water cheese. with two lemons Rob, this, people don't get Rob, like, customize this is literally their fast worse than what max
2: was talking about <laughs> the bone marrow this that, that was the worst yeah. 20 seconds that we've ever had on a podcast Rob, i you're, want you're all of that back legacy. can you please just bring us along to the conclusion of this podcast now
0: I'll bring us the, uh, along to the concu- conclusion, and I also want to say that with what Chris was saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to also say that going it. along with <laughs> yes, Manny sir. Wilkins' legacy, we were talking about it before the game, five times in a row the home team had won this yeah. game. Yes. I, the home crowd was definitely in big effect today at Arizona Stadium. Well, It's such an emotional game. Right, like. and, and roaring, and it was a very loud atmosphere. I, I just think it's impressive even more with with the fact that Wilkins could carry the Sun Devils to the wind
2: with with some of those other factors as well. Yeah, man. Are you so are you food drunk or was there something spiked in 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 that in that was that water with lemon or was that like a vodka tonic <laughs> or just like a all vodka with a little bit of lemon? Um look. I hear you, Rob. <laughs> I hear you, man. Hey, Rob. That was, that was the first time you've ever been in Tucson for for a game, right? Stephanie. what did you think about that? Uh, uh, I enjoyed being in Tucson. Um, it was it was a great
0: atmosphere, and Jack was right. It was a very underrated stadium. I like the stadium a lot. Yeah, Jack, it's, what it's
1: it, all eclectic and such. Yeah, it's kind of
2: cool. I, I I think the stadium is one of the worst in the Pac-12, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really well, I it really so yeah. Eclectic, not not
1: luxurious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, well, definitely not luxurious. Yeah. Uh, eclectic as being as generous as you possibly can. Um, give me the big picture perspective that you have from this game, Jack. Not not what happened in the game. Yeah. yeah. Just give me like give me like that thirty thousand foot view of what you think, and then Rob, you give me yours also, please. Well.
0: I, I like I got in there second.
1: I think, I I I think everything that that Herm Edwards does. Is going to be viewed by a lot of fans against the backdrop of what Ray Anderson said when he got hired. We're going to be a top fifteen program. We're going to compete for Pac twelve championships. All of that. So when you don't accomplish those goals, as ASU hasn't done this year, um, I was going and and we kind of figured that they weren't going to this year. Um, I was going to be interested to see how it played out. Did people still like Herm Edwards? Were they going to really hold him against this? Well, you didn't do it year one. so. And I think tonight's win really helps sell the idea that this season, you can use the word successful or was a step forward or laying the foundation or whatever it was. Um, if you lose this game tonight, if you're ASU, you finish the season 6-6, six and six, yeah, you were in the Pac-12 South race, but you were in it with, like, three losses, and you didn't win either of the important games at the end of your season, um, it would have been a really sour note going into an offseason with so much uncertainty because Manny Wilkins will be leaving, Nikhil Harry will likely be leaving, um, and it's going to be a tough transition. The fact that you have this win under your belt, which sways the fan base especially in a year where you're winning six or seven games to be able to beat Arizona and beat them the way you did that's going to that's going to soften a lot of people's view of the program and and the way they feel about Herm Edwards and I think the fact that it ties into the whole attitude they've had this whole season of overcoming adversity and bouncing back and never giving up and and all of those things also kind of helps sell his message so like if next year, if they do struggle a little bit, I, I, I don't think people are going to be like, well, these are two really bad years. I think people will remember this year as a pretty good year, one where they had a tough schedule, where they played a lot of close games, where they, it took them a little while to kind of figure out who they were. But once they did that, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a close loss on the road in Oregon in November as being of the final five regular season games, their only setback. And that's a pretty. That's a pretty impressive thing to do. Um, so I thought this was really, really important for them to get this win tonight. And I think even though they played bad the first three quarters, the fact that they did it in such a memorable way that when people look back, man, that 2018 season, oh, that's the year they came back down 19 against Arizona. That's going to be that's gonna be good for, for him and the program and, and the way people view it and, and feel about the team going forward, I think.
2: I totally agree with you. This – a seven and five beating Arizona versus a six and six losing the last two games, including Arizona, potentially losing badly in an ugly way to Arizona. That would those two things are gonna be viewed totally differently by uh-huh. ASU's fans. And that literally was a five minute difference in football. <laughs> so I mean that's just that is crazy. That's crazy when you think about it. And Rob, I'm going to let you weigh in here, but I just want to remind you before I do. This is Sun Devil Source unfiltered. This isn't Rob Warner unfiltered, okay? I feel like I let you off the leash, and you're, like, running around, like, peeing on everything, like like a doll that's going crazy. It almost reminds me of DJ Calhoun in his freshman year before he turned into a really good football player. I want to see the veteran D.J. Calhoun from you right now and not the freshman D.J. Calhoun. So so, so, give me something that's a little bit cogent and focused here as you sum this up, please.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to give a completely different perspective than you got from Jack just a moment ago. I want to take a look back at last year with Todd Graham when ASU won the Territorial Cup. Where was the program? And it was at a place pretty similar to this where you had a pretty good season. I believe they were 7-5 and five at that time Going into a bowl, and I—do you mean the program or just the season? I mean, I, either one. The program and the football team was seven and five.
2: You're already crazy, Robbie <laughs> The program with 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 in in year six of Todd Graham you're is making not. My point for me, you're literally making
0: my point for me. My point is that in year six with Todd Graham, this was what they got. This is the first year of Herm Edwards, and this is what you're getting. You're seeing the foundation. You're seeing that there's holes. There's going to be holes. This is the first year of a brand new coaching staff, and they're making good progress. That was last year was his sixth year with the team, and they were doing this.
2: Last year was also Rich Rodriguez's sixth year with the team, and this year was also Kevin Sumlin's first year with the team. So they're, so they're competing on equal footing in that respect. And, so and, I don't understand. And, under- and, and I, I, is looking much better than Kevin Sumlin in that respect. Chris, I, you think that
0: because of what happened in the last five minutes? I think the whole season, no. Even if they would have lost the game, Herm Edwards and ASU made a lot of progress mm-hmm. this year that I think you would have had to make a – it was harder to say that Arizona did. Arizona had some really weird football games.
2: Arizona State played very hard, very close football games, and you – you kind of knew what you were getting when you watched the games okay you kind of made a point there that i agree with which was that arizona was very unreliable you never knew what you were going to get they had these blowout losses to houston and washington state and then they played good against oregon but but rob do you feel the same way if asu loses this game let's say the last five minutes go the way that the rest of the game (laughs) kind of went are you still saying this
0: No, I mean, I definitely think that you're right, that there's got to be some impact on on how the game was won. I think my point is just I I think that you're seeing the right steps taken by this program, and I I think win or loss, to be honest, in this game, I think you're just seeing the foundational things that you want to be seeing with a first-year coaching staff. You're seeing Danny Gonzalez being able to work through with a lot of young defensive players and, and see some results. I mean... Ashari Crosswell and Tyler Johnson, the two guys that make the biggest defensive plays of the night, those are two freshmen. I mean, Tyler Johnson's a redshirt freshman, but I just think you're seeing some of these things that you want to be seeing in the later years of a program and with a coaching staff. I think you're seeing them right away in year one with this team. I think that the, the direction that, that this Arizona State program is going is, is one that's promising, and I think what Jack said is important to note, that, her, uh, that Ray Anderson made the expectations really high. I mean, really skyrocket high with with what he said he wants this Arizona State program accomplishing year in and year out. Top three in the Pac-12, top 15 nationally. That's tough to do, but I I think there's a chance that this program can move toward that direction if it can keep making
2: clear improvement in, in, in certain areas. Okay, so one more question then, building off of that, before we get out of here. you have to probably do as good or better next year to continue that 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 trajectory based on what you're saying there right if you take a step back then that you kind of undo a lot of that well what do you think ASU is going to lose Manny Wilkins and Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry and one or more offensive linemen and and that's that's huge right so do you, what do you think early forecast for next year Defense should be better, of course, but is it going to be enough better to offset whatever they lose on the offensive side? Jack and then Rob, and then we'll get out of here. I, I,
1: like, I'd like. i probably speculate their, their win total is going to be in the 5-7 to seven range again because I think the defense is going to get better, but is it going to get dr- dramatic? I mean, it was pretty good this year. I don't think the, there's a ceiling for them to become a top-10 defense in the country next year which is probably where you'd have to be if you're going to start thinking about 8, 9, 10 wins. So I'd say probably 5 to 7 wins again.
0: I'd go 7 to 9 wins, honestly, and, and oh. that might be seen as, as way too high. I, I think that Arizona State has a chance to get um, one of the better quarterback recruits in the in the country in the coming weeks. There's a chance that, that Arizona State lands uh, Jalen... What's his last Jayden name? Jaden Daniels. J- Jaden Daniels, excuse me. And uh, I, I just think that this Arizona State program is also recruiting at a very high level. I know that, <coughs> excuse me, that ASU is going to be young next year. I think that ASU also has a chance to be really solid next year on defense in a way that Chris is saying, I think, Jack, I think they will be even better than they were in defense this year. I, I think that you will. I think there's just going to be more more, more potential, you see, for, for even more negative plays and the interceptions to come and the fumbles and the things you saw with Danny Gonzalez back at San Diego State. So, I think the sky's pretty high right now for Arizona State. I, I really think that they have a chance if they can if, if they can try as much as possible to minimize the effects of losing a Manny Wilkins, obviously you're not gonna be able to, to minimize losing Nikhil Harry. He does he does so much for you. But I think ASU's got a very underrated uh, little crop of wide receivers that will will show to be
2: pretty good next year.
1: Rob Warner, the eternal optimist. Unless Chris says that he thinks they're going to win ten games or something. No, but
2: I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just think that it's, it's too unknown. You have to see what the quarterback is. play is going so to much be like. to come down you to ask the quarterback. And then you say it's too no, unknown. No, if I, no, I, no, I, I If I had to guess right now, I'd say ASU is roughly equivalent next mm-hmm. year. What they lose on offense, they'll make up for in just the yeah, natural development kind of, of defensive players. Balance, balance yeah. itself out. But listen, here's what we do know. We know that we're going to be covering the hell out of it. Yeah. Like, like we have this season and we hope that you join us uh, stay with us for that journey because uh, that's why we do this. So uh, I'm going to wrap up the son of a source unfiltered podcast after Rob started the unfiltered <laughs> podcast because, hey, we could do it like that because it's unfiltered. So uh, from somewhere in Marana, uh, on the, the outskirts of Tucson, around the, out, uh, around the outlet mall. Uh, thank you for listening and being with us throughout the season. We'll have full bowl coverage and recruiting and basketball and everything else you would probably want and imagine uh, in, in the days and weeks to follow. Thank you. This is Chris Carman for Rob Warner and Jack Harris.